Now is the time we bring you the virtual stage of our 11th Achieving Optimal Health Conference at Georgetown University. To experience this talk with all the videos, slides, and graphics, head over to the BBNR website where you can enjoy the entire day of archives of nine incredible speakers for just $29. Go to bbrconsulting.us and click on store. One more time, visit our store at bbrconsulting.us. Thanks for staying curious and for living your best life with us. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Hello, everyone. I'm Tracy Freeman, and today I'm going to talk about counting sheep or other tricks to get a good night's rest. So sleep is very important to me. I have a child on the autism spectrum who the first three years of his life, he really didn't sleep very much. That caused me to read three books on sleep that honestly didn't help at all. And that caused me to dig even deeper. How do I help this child and therefore me get more sleep? And it made me learn that the body has to be in good shape, has to feel well for anyone to get a good night's rest. I furthermore learned a lot about sleep or the lack of it by being a resident in medicine. They had us working 80 hours a week, just unable to get sleep when you wanted it, always having a pager at that time going off. It made it difficult to be able to focus and do your job very well. And yet we were expected to take care of patients in that state. What happens when we lack sleep? It, first of all, will cause you to lose your immunity or lower your immunity. You'll be more susceptible to colds and flus. You'll feel groggy and fatigued. You'll notice that your mood is down. You'll be more depressed or anxious or more irritable. It'll cause you to gain weight. Sleep has for sure been linked to um, weight being stable if you get it. And then if you don't get it, you're more likely to be obese. It has also been shown to decrease your focus and energy if you don't get sleep. So many of us stay up all night trying to get things done, and then the next day we're a total waste. We can't get anything done at that point. So it's about balance and getting more sleep so that during the day you can get things done and be present and focused during the day. There is also a long-term risk of insomnia for diabetes and hypertension and other cardiovascular diseases. It's furthermore been shown that people with arthritis have been found to have increased pain and disability if they don't get more sleep. The most basic and fundamental attack point on trying to conquer insomnia is to take care of sleep hygiene. The most important thing in this day and age is to avoid computer screens. Computer screens give off blue light, and that blue light convinces your brain it's daytime. So if you could get some blue blocking glasses, if you have to use a computer screen, that would be extraordinarily helpful. Otherwise, just cut it off at a certain time to help your brain and body settle down. It's also important not to drink caffeine late in the day. I typically recommend people don't drink tea, black tea or coffee after 3 p.m. Furthermore, you need to sleep in the same place all the time in your bed. Don't fall asleep on your couch watching TV. Don't put your head down somewhere else. It's important to create habits in which you sleep in your own bed routinely. 
And contrary to what you would think, it's important that you go to bed early. You would think if you could not sleep, staying up later would help you to feel so tired that you would fall asleep with ease. But the reality is that the body only turns up a little bit. So the earlier you can go to bed, the quicker the body gets the message and it learns to be more consistent. You also need to eat a little bit earlier in the day. Don't give your body the task of trying to digest right before or during sleep. And of course, alcohol. We'll discuss that a little further in the presentation, but alcohol before bedtime will get you to be a little bit more stimulated and impact your sleep time. So the other thing that can help so many people, if you're hypervigilant especially, is to keep your room dark. Don't let light come in. That light tells your body, wake up, it's daytime, let's get going. And in your case, when you're trying to sleep, you need to maybe even get those kind of room darkening curtains that keep the sunlight out. And it's been shown that the brain does better in a cool room around 65 degrees. It settles down better. The body as well will settle better when you're cooler. Then last thing is to exercise, but not too late. Exercise to allow your body to get the energy out so that it can come down from that. So during the day, at some point, do your exercise and tell your body that you've gotten something done during the day. There are actually nutritional things that you can do to help your body to sleep. We know specifically and probably most studied is iron. Iron deficiency has been linked to restless leg syndrome. And it also has been shown in the autism community, among others, that an iron deficiency, you don't sleep. The body needs that for you to be able to maintain a sense of peace. Also, magnesium is probably one of the more studied supplements. Magnesium tells your muscles to relax. It's a very calming supplement. So in the beginning of medicine, when we didn't have many drugs, we used magnesium for anything that involved muscle spasm, whether it was premature labor, asthma attacks, or heart attacks. We just ran magnesium so that muscles were relaxed. And you can use that to your benefit and get better sleep. We also know that vitamin B12 has been shown to increase the circadian rhythm and to decrease depression. But that is in a specific dosing. It's in a balanced dosing. Too much vitamin B12 will make it so that you cannot sleep at night. So you have to, like with all things, find moderation. We know that deficiencies in vitamin D and vitamin C have been linked to decreased sleep duration and poor sleep quality. And vitamin B6 will help you to remember your dreams. Vitamin B6 and magnesium combined are actually very good because they balance each other out in terms of giving you a sense of peace and giving you focus and concentration and energy. This is a slide that basically just shows ages and stages and how much sleep do you need as you go through life. As you can see, the newborn needs the most at 14 to 17 hours. But as you get older, 65 or older, you need only seven to eight hours of sleep. And that helps to understand that because when you're older and you're not sleeping as much, in some cases, that's just normal for you. It also shows you your teenager needs eight to 10 hours. And so many teenagers aren't getting that at this day and age because of the screen time. So especially for them, they need, they're growing so much. They really do need to shut their phones down if you have to take it from them so that they can learn to move along and focus and go to sleep. So what are the causes of insomnia? I really looked to a woman, a practitioner in the West Coast named Julia Ross. 
She's done a fantastic job at using nutritional tools to help the brain with depression, anxiety, insomnia, and addiction. And I think that she's a trailblazer in terms of looking at the causes of these brain issues. So the things that she's looked at are release of cortisol as being a problem. Remember, cortisol is something that should go up in the morning. It comes from the adrenal gland. It's to give you energy and then go down at bedtime. But if that is reversed, you have a problem. We also look, we'll look at in the next slide, serotonin and melatonin, what low GABA and inhibitory hormone will do for you, how much your diet and food sensitivities will impact you, inflammation and stress will also just keep you awake. Cortisol is raised by stress, alcohol, caffeine, and exercise in the evening. It's good to have caffeine for your brain, but it's best to keep it before 3 p.m. It's also good to exercise, but it's best to keep that also earlier in the day. The best way to lower your cortisol in the evening so that you can get some rest is to lower your carbohydrate intake. There are vitamins and minerals, particularly vitamin A, vitamin D, also pantothenic acid and vitamin C that will help the cortisol levels balance out. 15% of people with high cortisol are better off with GABA. GABA is a supplement that you can take and also a hormone within the brain that will just stop any kind of excitatory hormones in the brain or calm it down. Melatonin as well will get cortisol to lower and help you to get to sleep as will tryptophan. Tryptophan being the key ingredient in turkey that you have when you eat your Thanksgiving meal and you feel a little bit sleepy after that. Furthermore, you can take phosphorylated serine or serifos, as it's commonly called. If you do 3,000 milligrams of that plus hydrolyzed casein, 85 milligrams, that is something that can lower that cortisol and get your body to feel like you're calm as opposed to hypervigilant or on guard for what's coming next, what stressor is on its way. Some herbs that take care of that are holy basil, relora, which is a form of magnolia bark, and reishi, which of course is a mushroom. So serotonin and melatonin, they run together. Serotonin is a precursor to melatonin, and melatonin is, of course, what tells your body it's time to sleep. The symptoms of the deficiency of that are depression, anxiety, tics, hyperactivity, PMS, winter blues, migraines, and evening cravings. So what do you want to do for uh, serotonin deficiency if you feel like these symptoms match your issues is to consider tryptophan. You can take that between 500 and 2,000 milligrams before bedtime. Tryptophan is the one supplement that will work if you have had caffeine late at night. So you can take usually 1,000 milligrams will settle you in and still let you to sleep. If need be, you can add melatonin, typically 0.5 to 1 milligram is the better dose. If you need more than that, it's better to take a sustained release version because what happens when you take high doses of melatonin is you go through the sleep stages really fast and come up really fast. The studies have shown that one milligram or less is actually what's needed to maintain a good night's rest. With a sustained release, because it's such an anti-inflammatory molecule in and of itself, you can go pretty high, whatever dose you need to. It will take you a few days to get used to the sleepiness on the next day, but after a while, you will get used to it. There are some studies that show it's anti-cancer, upwards of 20 to 40 milligrams. So the 
absolute maximum dose of that is probably 40 milligrams that's been studied. Next one is GABA. GABA, when deficient, will cause you to be overstressed. It'll make it so that you're unable to relax, so that you're more stiff, tense, and that you are um, more likely in those cases to respond to benzodiazepines like Valium, Clonazepam. Those are examples of drugs that if you respond to, maybe you do well with GABA as a supplement that you can buy over the counter instead. The treatment is dose for insomnia and GABA is 100 milligrams to 500 milligrams. You can find that in higher doses and perhaps that's a good dose for you, but typically for insomnia, these doses are what works. It can be taken with tryptophan or with melatonin if you need it. And if the GABA doesn't work alone, you can add in theanine or switch to theanine 100 or 200 milligrams. Theanine comes from green tea and is naturally anxiolytic, meaning it takes your anxiety away. So now we're going to talk about inflammation as a cause of insomnia. It's important that you can realize that when your body is inflamed or on fire, like cytokines are high, it's been shown that you cannot sleep. As the body is trying to repair and help itself, it's sending up this kind of storm and it therefore gets you a little bit more agitated. One little trick I like for inflammation is to use high-dose fish oil. Fish oil in the high dose of 5,000 milligrams per day for three days. Usually that'll calm the body almost the first day, but certainly by the third day, I've seen that take frozen shoulders and get them to move, heal back pain, knee pain. It's always a good first try for anyone who feels like their body is inflamed in any way. I would also consider adding food sensitivity testing um, if you have children and you see their heads sweating at night, consider that they're probably eating something that's bothering them just a little bit and maybe get food sensitivity testing in that case. For adults, you probably won't have those kind of outward symptoms, but you, if you're agitated at all, your system is bothered, it could be what you're eating is bothering you. Also, consider hormonal testing, especially around menopausal age or as we get older, Usually those changes in hormone levels will cause you to have some sleep disturbance at some point in time. And we'll talk about that in a minute as well. If you're in pain, a good supplement to consider is D-phenylalanine. You can take that in 500 to 1,000 milligrams before bed. And if you have a little bit of mania, meaning you're walking back and forth, you're pacing, you can't stop, you want to shop, you want to eat or do things that are just not appropriate for that time of night, you can get a lithium orotate over the counter and take between five and 15 milligrams. So when I say lithium, everyone thinks, oh no, it's a medication and things like that, but actually it's a mineral. And it's been shown to be very calming in and of itself. The drug lithium is based on the fact that the mineral has worked so well. Now we're gonna talk about the gut and insomnia. So the microbiome are the bacteria in your gut that make up basically what you are in effect. It's been shown to just guide your body in so many ways. We know that Hippocrates long ago said that all disease begins in the gut and insomnia is no exception. The important thing to know is that we figured out that if you don't have a lot of different bacteria in your gut, you're going to have more insomnia. If you don't have a balance of aerobic and anaerobic bacteria in your gut, then you are going to have more insomnia. And if you're low in short-chain fatty acids, it's going to be hard to sleep. 
So short chain fatty acids come from fiber. One quick trick is to just increase the fiber in your diet. We also found that the bacteria in your gut will lower your cortisol and therefore help you to be able to sleep and not be in the stressed or fight or flight mode. We also know that serotonin, which is the happy hormone, the hormone that all the drugs for depression or most of the drugs for depression are based on, 80% of that is made in the gut. Serotonin will convert to melatonin. Melatonin will help you sleep. So keeping your gut up so that it can make this serotonin for you will help you in many ways. GABA is also produced in the gut. And as we discussed, it is an inhibitory hormone. It helps to balance all those excitatory hormones in the brain. It decreases the beta waves in the brain to allow you to get to a place of relaxation and peace. So now sex hormones also play a part in insomnia. 60% of menopausal women are suffering from insomnia. It's because estradiol, the estrogen of youth, is used to increase serotonin receptors in the brain. And we've already discussed how serotonin brings peace and happiness. So having, when you lose that estradiol, you lose the ability in some cases to be able to maintain sleep. Also in men, low testosterone has been shown to decrease the amount of sleep you get and to cause you to wake up more frequently. But that's also true of people who take testosterone shots. So it's about finding balance, a perfect balance. You don't want too high testosterone and you don't want too low. And then, of course, there's always the fact that if you actually have sex before sleep, you will get sleep. It's shown in women to increase estrogen, which will increase the REM sleep. REM sleep is where you dream. It's where your brain sorts out your problems. And then it also, in both sexes, will increase the release of oxytocin. Oxytocin is a hormone that makes you think everything's okay. It's the hormone that's released after a baby's born. It's the reason the world is populated now. If we didn't have that hormone, women would have post-traumatic stress and never have another baby again. But because this hormone is released, it tells you everything is good, wonderful, you're loving, and you're just so happy for your new baby. And you can go on and do that again. Furthermore, sex will decrease cortisol. So there's many reasons, actually, to engage in um, sexual relations for both men and women before sleep. Finally, we're going to talk about sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is where the airway is either partially blocked or completely blocked. And it kind of is if your throat or your mouth in general, your pharynx, all that will kind of collapse down while you're trying to breathe and while you're asleep. You may see someone who snorts or jerks or holds their breath during the night. Maybe you hear a period of silence. Um, you may notice that a lot of those people are obese. That is probably the biggest risk factor for sleep apnea or that they have a large neck. That also because the pressure of the neck falls back on the airway. Conversely, though, you can have a small airway and that will cause a problem. There are ENT doctors who will kind of shave people's tongues and open up their airway to allow them to be able to breathe more easily. So the symptoms of sleep apnea are fatigue or headache in the morning, you can be more irritable, they snore loudly, they gasp or choke, and their memory, they start to not be able to remember things as well. Many of these symptoms overlap with the symptoms of insomnia in general. So you can see how just the impact of lack of sleep has 
whether it's from sleep apnea or other causes. So how do we treat it? The foremost thing you can do if you're overweight is lose weight. If you don't want to do a CPAP appliance, you can try and do a dental appliance. There are dentists who will fit fit you with something that looks like a retainer almost, and that will serve to open up your airway and keep you from using the CPAP. CPAP is continuous positive airway pressure. That is where you have a machine attached to your nose and mouth, and it blows air forcefully down your airway to keep it open. Some people, that is all that they can do that will work for them. And in those cases, that's fine. That works great. It'll definitely potentially save your life. It certainly protects you from a certain type of heart failure. It's been shown in some cases to help people lose weight, improve your ability to concentrate, because essentially the body needs oxygen and air 24 hours a day. If you were to get a surgery, you'd want to find someone who specializes in that to open up your airway if your palate is the, con- is the concern that it's too big. And it's also been shown that vitamin C and vitamin E will support the body to breathe better and to sleep better. So those are easy things to try to see if maybe if you're already on CPAP, perhaps you can lower the needed pressure or perhaps you can lose weight and try those things and you won't need it at all. Um, certainly getting into a good habit of a good diet and exercise will help you along the way in sleep apnea treatment. That's all I have to say on sleep. If you have any questions, you can certainly find me on my website, uh, tracyfreemanmd.com. There you can email me and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Hello, everyone. We are going on 20 years now in our journey with BBNR to bring holistic health to the mainstream. It has really all come from a desire to find ways to flatten out the bumps in the road of our lives and be grateful for when days go well. So much innovation and insight is coming out on health and wellness on a daily basis. It's sometimes hard to keep up. We are so grateful for the speakers who join us on this podcast and to all of the guests that come to our Georgetown conference and to those that join us at Gasparilla every year to share their wisdom. At the end of the day, we hope that we have made you curious enough to try some of these tips in your day-to-day life. We hope that you felt their impact on your life as well as the lives of the people that you love. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well.